I'm Robin Emler of IBS Intelligence. You're listening to the IBS iViews podcast. With me is Shiran Moodley, co-head of sustainable finance at AMSA. And we're discussing how Africa, and specifically how African banks, can finance a sustainable future. So the big question is, what is it that the financial system can do to encourage investments in the continent to drive inclusive growth? When we talk about sustainable finance and the opportunity that lies therein and what you know African countries can do to really enable that growth, I think we really just need to take a small step back and look at you know the origins of where this is coming from and why it's so important right now. And you know, climate change is not necessarily a new topic. It's been spoken about for, for, for decades, but there's a lot of increased pressure that's been happening over the last decade, in particular over the last few years, because we're reaching a so-called point of no return with the threshold around uh, a, a certain limit of uh, warming relative to pre-industrial levels as, as well. And there's enough research really to talk about the correlation between emissions and, and, and warming, and climate scientists can explain that uh, a, lot, a lot better than I. But really where we are right now is looking at the financing aspect of it and saying what sort of financing is needed to really combat this, both from a mitigation as well as an adaptation point of view, and really look at you know, what that looks like for the globe as, as well as Africa. There's a lot of discussion around how that financing can come around, you know, who's really going to pay for it, what concessions are, are possibly given, and you know, where that money is going to go, how much of it in public sector, how much of it in private sector as, as well. When, when we look at you know, sustainable financing, there's a wide array of financial instruments that have been brought to the market, and to a large extent, it's been pushed in a self-regulated kind of way by the market itself and quite innovative uh, wrappers, as you will, uh, around uh, um, you know, debt, trade finance, ad ad advisory products, uh, market derivative products, and, and, and so forth. And really what those instruments are trying to do is incentivize or you know, make a statement for a lot of the clients to say that you know, we are serious about climate change. We have a really strong sustainability or transition strategy in place. And, you know, we are really showing our commitment by channeling or allocating a certain number of funds towards this. If we, you know, bring it back to, you know, Africa in particular, there's you know, still a wealth of opportunity in, in the African context. It's, you know, still the sunniest continent on the world. And in, in South Africa, we've got the, you know, renewable energy independent power producing uh, program, which itself is looking at a massive influx of, of projects, particularly in the solar and wind space. So, you know, we've got a unique opportunity to really, you know, drive that kind of a, a story and really replace our energy supply and generation into renewable. At the same time, the context in Africa is that we have a huge social dependency as, as well. Uh, again, a lot of uh, a topic that's getting a lot of heat right now on, on COP26 because you're trying to grow the economy, you're trying to grow GDP, you're not really at a stage right now where you can switch over majority of your power supply into renewable uh, energies, but you're really setting shorter or medium data targets to, to, to do that. So we're always cognizant of a balanced approach between what we can do to drive really inclusive growth and environmental protection at, at the same time. One of the things I think I'd say in reaction to what you said, and you mentioned Africa, the sunniest continent, you mentioned renewable energy on, on the back of that, 
this is a business opportunity. This is somewhere a canny investor can make money. Now, it's always seemed to me that if you show people there's a way that they can do this profitably, they will volunteer for it and they don't need to be driven to it. Absolutely, there's there's a business opportunity present. At the same time, though, there's almost a moral compass that guides a lot of the, the, the broader narrative that's being driven here. And, you know, COVID-19 pandemic was a really good reference point because, you know, one could argue the business opportunity that's present there, you know, maybe in the medical field as, as an example, but there's still a somewhat moral obligation to really enable a lot of the nations that don't have the same level of access to, to, to financing or to solutions as, as, as well. So I think that's really where this is going now is looking at it more on a global scale and saying that whilst there's business opportunity on a kind of individual level or the business level, when you look at it from a macro level, you actually have to take a bit more of a lens of opportunity meeting you know, a real clear uh, progression. So where does the responsibility for enabling our sustainable future fall? And frankly, how do we ensure people don't get left behind? I think it falls across all spectrums, really. So, you know, if we start with policymakers, regulators, and, you know, the, the, the sovereign states, you know, they, they play a really critical role in looking at how we can enable and facilitate both growth and compliance to an extent with kind of driving sustainable futures, right? So, and they'll do that through maybe carbon pricing or carbon taxes. They'll, they'll do that through maybe certain levels of disclosures that need to happen and, and reporting that need to happen at a, at a business and wholesale level. And that's really the next sector is looking at it from a business and wholesale perspective. What are they doing to really drive their own tr- transition? And that happens across both their own direct carbon footprint, which is usually referred to as scope one and two, and then scope three, which is also, you know, how are their operations indirectly affecting uh, emissions uh, as well. And then on an individual retail level, it's, it's really voting with your kind of own actions and, and really some, some element of activism uh, as well. But, and this might be a bit controversial, but the the footprint on a kind of percentage wise on the individual basis is really minuscule compared to the total emissions that are being generated by the large businesses and the large fossil fuels industry as as an example so the role that individuals play is mostly around voting with their feet voting with their wallets rather than looking at their direct footprint their direct footprint will make a difference but it's really when we're looking at how do we get to a one and a half degree scenario or how do we limit a two degree scenario it's really the big fish that that we want to go after okay well speaking of a big fish absa is quite a large institution itself you're the co-head of sustainable finance so what's the bank doing we're doing a lot (laughs) we're doing a lot so you know if if we start with our ambition and statement as as absa as an entity we've signed up uh to be a a founding member for the principles of responsible banking and what that means is that we've set an intention around how we will manage our own operations and that includes uh, financing and not financing certain activities it means disclosure around uh, our exposure to to certain assets uh, as well and it means managing our own kind of internal operations in a way that's consistent with driving climate change and, and, and social justice and really adjust a, a transition. On the financing side and our operation side, we're making changes to our decision-making practices, to our risk assessment practices, to our policies as well around what we lend and what we don't 
uh, lend to. And I'm, I'm speaking more on the on the corporate investment banking side because that's that's where I sit. But you know, when when you look at any entity, especially ones that are in the high emitting sectors such as you know fossil fuels, again coal, thermal coal, oil and gas, you're taking a much more closely scrutinized view, if I can if I can put it that way, around that aspect. So a lot of the conditions around what is a client doing again from a sustainability point of view, from a transition point of view, from a compliance to, let's just say, um, human uh, impact uh, as well. Those are now aspects that are explicitly taken into consideration in our own operations that maybe weren't done so a number of, of, of years ago. And then at the same time, we're looking at a number of you know other initiatives, maybe let's just say around impact financing, around you know really trying to grow certain portfolios that focus on green financing or social financing. There's also a role for financial technology in this, certainly in inclusion. What about sustainability? Do you see a role for financial technology? And if so, what is it and how efficient can it be in helping? Yeah, I think that that's a term that's, again, coming up a lot these these days, uh, especially in the US. It's something that's being touted as the next big tech wave. Relatively small in terms of market size right now, but expected to grow quite rapidly. So they'll talk about climate tech, they'll talk about, about green tech, but you could put it under the banner of sustainable tech. And that's really using tech startups, let's just say, to drive efficient practices or technologies that help a business. The applications can be very wide. So some of the obvious ones that are being spoken about is really around carbon capture and sequestration. A lot of other ones are spoken about uh, drone technologies, geotagging, geo, uh, geolocations for, for agriculture, uh, you know, measurements of, of, of sediment for uh, real estate and for infrastructure as, as well. So a lot of it really revolves around, I would say, carbon capture. A lot of it revolves around data analysis and data capturing that's then used to really inform a lot of those other decisions uh, that I've made. And as we expand this remit around impact reporting, that's right now mostly voluntary, but probably will become to some extent mandatory uh, as well. A lot of it is going to be driven by by, by te- technology. And then at the same time, so one other one is actually looking more at closer for company-specific op- operations. So a lot of the companies in, let's just say, the, the oil and gas sector are looking at some of these technologies around really reducing their own footprint quite rapidly, their own uh, GHG emissions. The other thing I'd say... Um... It goes hand in hand with sustainability, but creating a future for the the population, particularly for the African population, financial inclusion. And obviously, financial technology at fintech has had a huge part to play in that already, will have a huge part to play in it in the future. Absolutely. So, you know, when when people talk about sustainability, it's still quite skewed towards climate and green. uh, and, and, And it's mostly born from the narrative of, you know, where it emanated, and you know where the developed nations are really driving this narrative around we need to make climate change and that's extremely important but there's also a lot of social ramifications that will come off the back of that uh, as, as well some of them are kind of say already opportunities and problems we need to solve right now and some of them will really be exacerbated as climate change uh, accelerates so you know even if you look at the un sdgs across the 17 of them there's a lot of talk, or a lot of them dedicated towards social uh, aspects. But when you look at where funds are being channeled, most of it, very easily so, is going towards is going towards uh, green financing. 
So when you think about financial inclusion, financial change, that's a, that's something that's still very relevant in certain markets. And I think some of these nations, particularly in Africa or Southeast Asia, have come up with quite good solutions from a technology point of view in order to enable that. I think really it's something that needs to be addressed alongside uh, climate change. It may be exacerbated because of these effects, but you're really just going to see other potential social issues around maybe housing or, or access to water or sanitation come up that just amplifies the need for financial inclusion. Shiran Moodley, co-head of Sustainable Finance at ABSA, thank you very much.